from API. This is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm your host, Jane Van Ryan. It's the beginning of a new year, and it's the perfect time to take a moment to examine energy and energy policy in the United States. To that end, I've invited John Felmy, a well-respected economist and API's statistics manager, to spend a few minutes with us today. Welcome, John. Hello. Let's start with crude oil and gasoline prices. In the past couple of weeks, crude oil prices have risen above the $80 a barrel mark. Uh, Why is that, John? Well, what we've seen is worldwide economic growth start to pick up. So what we've seen is demand for oil around the globe in places like China and so on pick up. And we've also seen the major international organizations such as the IEA and EIA uh, forecast increased demand for petroleum this year. In fact, the forecasts are now for petroleum demand to reach what it was before the recession. Historically, how have crude oil prices affected the price of gasoline? Well, gasoline uses crude oil for its production process. In fact, the single largest component of a cost of a gallon of gasoline is crude oil. And so historically, they tend to move fairly closely together. So recently, what we've seen is the cost of crude oil has gone from roughly about $70 a barrel up to about $83 a barrel. Since there's 42 gallons in a barrel, what we've seen is the cost of crude has gone up about 31, 32 cents a gallon. And over that same period, we've seen gasoline up 16 cents a gallon. John, in the past, you've said that gasoline prices for the past 10 years have averaged about 97 cents a gallon higher than crude oil prices. What does that 97 cents a gallon pay for? Well, first of all, the most important component of that is taxes, federal and state and local taxes, which are about 47 cents a gallon. The rest is all the costs that you incur to be able to process the crude into petroleum products such as gasoline, to ship it to market, deliver it to consumers, and hopefully some earnings in that component. Switching gears now, John, last week Interior Secretary Salazar announced new rules on energy exploration and production on federal lands. API has said that the new regulations are likely to slow energy development in the United States. So what could that mean for consumers? Well, this is really unfortunate because the U.S. has large amount of resources that we think that we can develop. And if we develop oil and gas resources in this country, it basically means increased jobs, improved revenue to state and local and federal governments, and a reduced trade deficit. It's a win-win-win proposition. And when you provide that additional energy produced in the U.S., it's improved economic security for American consumers. How much oil and natural gas are believed to exist in the United States today? Do you have numbers on that? Well, the federal government estimates that there's over 100 billion barrels of oil that we have not found that is technically recoverable. There's possibly as much as 2,000 trillion cubic feet of natural gas that could be recovered, especially with the new shale gas technology. That means 100 years of natural gas use uh, that we could develop uh, if we develop those resources. How does that compare with oil and natural gas reserves that exist in other countries? Well, worldwide, current reserves are about 1.3 trillion barrels. So when you add that together, we're just shy of 10% of uh, potential oil resources worldwide. Now, much of the oil that's consumed in the United States comes from foreign countries. Can you tell me how much we're actually using that is imported? About 60% of our consumption is imported. And it's important to know that the biggest supplier of that oil is Canada. Other big suppliers are Mexico, Venezuela, Nigeria, Saudi Arabia. 
so when you add all those up, it's roughly about 60% of our consumption. Wouldn't it be beneficial to all Americans if we drilled for more of our own domestic energy? There's no question that going forward, we're going to need domestic energy of all types. Much has been discussed recently about renewable energy, and we will need that. But that's electricity. And right now, we have 250 million cars that run on petroleum and don't plug in. So we're going to need oil for the foreseeable future. If we produce it here, it means increased jobs, improved revenue to governments, and a reduced trade deficit. It really is a win-win-win proposition. The administration's 2010 budget proposes to place new taxes on energy. How could those taxes affect energy development here in the United States? This is really repeating mistakes of the past. In the early 80s, we had a large tax that was put in place under the Carter administration that took about $80 billion from the oil industry. The results were terrible. What happened was domestic production declined because you couldn't spend that money on producing oil. It resulted in increased imports. And then they frittered the money away on projects that didn't work. Let's not repeat the mistakes of the past. But based on what we're hearing these days with um, the pronouncements made by Secretary Salazar and with this proposed budget, is it possible that we could see less oil being produced here in the United States and perhaps become more reliant on oil from other places? Well, if these uh, decisions result in less production and you don't have a re reduced demand, then yes, it'll mean increased imports. The tax propositions could reduce our production because you take resources away from producing more in this country. And then other provisions, such as cap and trade, could end up reducing the amount of uh, petroleum that we could produce in the United States. That's a good segue to my next question. There are those who say that climate legislation is unlikely to be enacted this year. That's according to statements made by several elected officials. But if Congress were to pass the Waxman-Markey bill that passed narrowly in the House of Representatives, how would U.S. natural gas and energy, other energy supplies be affected? How would consumers be impacted by that? Well, the Waxman-Markey bill clearly places the entire burden of reducing carbon emissions on the oil and gas industry. Virtually all the allocations are, are given to, for example, the electric utility industry, and only a tiny amount are given to the oil industry, but yet we're responsible for emissions. Uh, there's no question that this could adversely affect refining sector in the United States because it would make it uncompetitive, and we could see 20% decline in production in the U.S., throughput of refined products. Uh, these increases in the costs of energy simply will not help consumers. It violates sensible carbon policy in that it picks winners and losers, which is never a good idea. It doesn't use the uh, techniques to be able to get the lowest cost of possible emissions reductions that you can have. And finally, we're going to need oil and gas going forward because those 250 million cars are not going to run on anything else but petroleum for the foreseeable future. So what should the United States do, John? We've got a growing population. We have a need for liquid transportation fuels. We have high unemployment at the moment. What's the best course of action that should be taken today? A sound energy policy means that we increase supplies of all types of energy. That includes, of course, alternatives and renewables, but it also means increasing the production of oil and gas. If we produce oil and gas in this country, all we need to do is open up areas that are under restraints right now. Uh, companies will bid for those resources. The federal government and state governments will get money. You'll see a significant increase in employment 
in the United States. You'll see improved revenues and finally a reduced trade deficit. After all, the oil and gas industry uh, is, supports 9.2 million Americans uh, for the entire country. We can expand that significantly, and it will help the economy right when we need it. And we can do it without a stimulus bill. Absolutely. We're only asking that you open those areas to exploration, open them to bidding so that the companies can bid for those resources, produce those resources, pay royalties, employ people, and reduce the trade deficit. Very good. John Felmy, thank you so much for joining us today on Energy Tomorrow Radio. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.